Uh, welcome back, Degenerates, to the DGen Podcast. I'm your host, Mo, and today we've got another great episode for you guys. Today, actually, I wanted to take a little bit of a pivot and a little bit of a shift from the usual content. Um, I know I've been interviewing a lot of um, corporate uh, people and a lot of different types of um, eclectic and niche um, positions, but today I wanted to highlight Maria. Uh, from Prosperly, uh, a small business owner who does bookkeeping. So hi, Maria. Welcome to the podcast. Uh, She is the CEO, the founder, and the owner, and she graciously agreed to be here with me today. So how are you doing, Maria? Hi, Mo. I am doing well, and I hope everybody who's listening is also doing well in these difficult times that we're facing. Exactly. These difficult times, these uncertain times that are ever changing, as we've already experienced within this <laughs> in the Zoom session of getting past these technical errors. So um, I just kind of wanted to um, give you a little bit of a rundown. I, I know you're a little bit familiar as well already with the podcast, but I like to bring people on in a more conversational format to kind of talk a little bit about their life. Um, and share some of their experiences and what really uh, motivated them to take the career paths that they're currently on. So um, I had mentioned that you're doing a bookkeeping business. So can you tell us a little bit about that? What influenced you to even do that on the side? Um, Because I know you started while you were still a student. So if you can share some of that with us, please. Yeah, so my career path was a little bit interesting. I did have a couple of offers with a corporate um, big four accounting firms, I visit them, tried to see if I will fit in their culture in what they were offering, but it something didn't suit with me. I've been a volunteer for a church for about 17 years, and I deal with a lot of youth. I deal with people from between 13 and 17 years old, and I always struggled to figure out how to help them back. So that was one of the things that I did. And one of them, I found out that the parents were the ones struggling, trying to figure out how to make their payments, how to make uh, things that it was very simple, maybe for a company, you know, if you go work in a corporate, you get your salary, you pay your food, you pay your rent and stuff like that. But they couldn't even figure out how to get a job. They could figure out how to get different things in their lives. But the problem here was not that I always was inclined to helping back and helping back the community, trying to help them to get out of these struggles every day. And I've been doing that for a long time. So I volunteered for the Volunteer Income Tax Assistance Program at the VITA at CSUN when I was there. And uh, I found that a lot of that intersected what I was doing at the church. And that helped me a lot to make the decision that I wouldn't fit in a corporate environment because I was helping bigger companies rather than helping the smaller companies. So I sat down with one of my mentors now. It was one of my professors. I got very close to him in, um, in a point of time, but before that, he was just my professor and he talked about career choices And after the class finished, I came to his uh, office and I said, hey, look, this is what my problem is. I got offers for a corporate job and I cannot do that job, not because I can I have the capacity to do it, but it's just something that is not calling my attention. So he quickly said, do you know uh, what do you like the most? And I said, well, help the community. Oh, great. 
let me tell you, have you heard about social entrepreneurship? And I said, what is that? What kind of term is that? <laughs> and he said, well, it's social entrepreneurship. It's something combined, a nonprofit with a for-profit model. And it's just very interesting. Have you heard about it? And I said, no. So because of the involvement and everything else in between CSUN, I was able to secure a grant or a funded to go to the Harvard Social Enterprise Conference in that year. It was kind of like three weeks after I talked to my mentor and I went to find out what social entrepreneurship was. It was very life-changing, I will tell you. And that's when I decided to start Prosperly. That's when I said, I need to do something that will create value for me, getting income, but it will also create value for my friends, for my people, members of my church, for my youth, for families around the world. That was my goal. Like at the at the end of the day was create value for myself, but create values for them as well. So that's how basically I learned social entrepreneurship. I did not change my career path. I'm still an accountant. I'm still pursuing my CPA. I'm still pursuing everything aligned to my career. But it was more of how can I use what I know to help the community? And I found that that USC had a social entrepreneurship master's program. And I started attending and doing that. Now I have my business. It's a bookkeeping, but it also uh, relies a lot on strategy, relies a lot on financing and operation. I help them a little bit with their marketing as well. So it has strategy inclined with everything else, but in a micro level. We're doing it on a micro level rather than in a big corporate environment. Wow, that's really great. I mean, for me, I've never actually heard of the term social entrepreneurship. So that's pretty cool that you touched on that. But another point that you really made that I like is that you created the opportunity. You saw the opportunities that were available and saw that, hey, this doesn't necessarily work out for me as an individual. Um, this isn't what I really see myself or picture myself doing. Therefore, realizing that you have the power to create the opportunity that you want or the career path that you want. And you didn't really have to change um, everything that you were doing because the studies and the path were the same. It was just more so how do I redirect um, that same energy into something more meaningful for my community and where I thrive and how I practice things. So I really like that. And also the same that I wanted to ask is you had mentioned the name Prosperly. So why did you name your business Prosperly? Okay, so this is a very interesting story. So when I came back from the conference, that was my first year, like I said, I had not heard of that term either. I was like very clueless. And I actually started recruiting some of my accounting friends and some of my friends from CSUN to try to create this idea. How can we put this that we know to help the community, but at the same time make money, right? Because that was the whole idea. We can't just give everything for free. So that's the term in finance, but you know, not, no free lunches, free, right? So there's no free lunch. So the thing is that I got them. We sat down with my mentor. He started giving us guided sessions of how to create this idea. But also I found out about the entrepreneurship program, a minor at, at CSUN. And that's when I immediately I actually changed my minor from finance to entrepreneurship. And I did a, all the program that's available. I did a fast pitch from CSUN. I did the bull ring competition. I joined the iCorps program at CSUN. 
iCourse program gave me a lot of resources to do research, which was very helpful to actually start this business. But during all this process, I got I gathered a couple friends. We ended up being seven. And we we decided to apply for the presentation on the second year, which will be the following year, to go to present at Harvard again. So my friends were like, we need a we need to sit down to decide what name we should put. So we did this round table about who was going to pick a name. And I, and, and I have a friend, his Joshua, Joshua, where is his name? And he's, he was very well into the wording of where these words come from and the Greek meaning and all of these little things that he knew. But like, even though he was one of the earliest members, he was very into the, the goal of this, corp, this, this company, actually. And he said, why don't, because our goal is to have prosperity for everybody. I use the Greek word beginning root of prosperity and poly because it's for all. So prosperly means prosperity for all. And this is how all this name came about because we were trying to create value for everyone, not only that corporate level, like I mentioned, but for everyone that really wanted something out of their business. Wow. I like that. And also when it comes to business names, what I notice, especially when it comes to small businesses also, is that it's never just, oh, I need a name for this business. It's more so how can I tie it to something more meaningful? Um, Even, I guess, a good example is just me coming up with this podcast. I sat around kicking around different names. I had a word sheet that had so many different rows of just different types of names and none of them really clicked for me. And I was going on a run one time and I was just really thinking about what is my purpose for this podcast? What is it that I'm trying to audience I'm trying to reach and uh, what would be very encompassing for this? And I was thinking about the different generations because there's always seems to be a generational difference um, depending on what time you were born Mm -hmm. and what you've experienced. And I realized that there's always people in every generation that really stick out or people who go against the norm. And um, people would generally call those people degenerates. And degenerate itself, the word I realized had a very negative connotation initially, um, just because it would be associated more with somebody that's like a delinquent or something along those lines. Mm -hmm. And I thought attaching that to the generation name would be kind of cool because it's it's rebellious in its own way where it's like okay I get to speak on something that not a lot of people are speaking on and you don't really know which generation you're talking about because it's not specific to one generation there's many generations and those different schools of thought so um, I like that you put in the time and the effort to really come to a name that makes sense to you so even within these kinds of um, building a business I know there's a lot of mental work that comes more so than even the physical work that you have to do to build up a business. So what are some um, real, aside from the inspirations, what are some challenges that you faced in kind of trying to lift this project up off the ground? I think uh, the difficult part for me was because I was working with a lot of people. Um, I'm a lot of people tell me that I'm a, like a people person. I like to be with people. <laughs> I really don't. I like I lo- not that I don't like the people. Don't tell me, but I, I love my friends. They're all really great friends. Um, 
And if they're listening to this, they will be like, oh my God, Maria. No, no, no. It's not that. I'm by design. I am an introvert. <laughs> the people are like, what the hell? You are I like to talk a lot. What is what is wrong with you? So and people see me out there talking and presenting and you are not an introvert, you know, but I am. And I know that I am. I like to be a lot by myself. I like to deal a lot with the issues on myself. I don't have like a really a, a big group of friends. I just have a very few friends that I trust enough to tell them this is where my situation is. This is how I'm struggling with this. So my challenge was at the beginning, because I had to learn this during this process, was to be this person that can go out there. And uh, a lot of the people who started with me, I had to convince them, like, in you know, being an introvert, going to talk to people that you don't know, and there's not your friend, it's very difficult to even have words to say to them, this is what I want to accomplish. And I know you can help me. And I know you can help me with doing this and that. And that was a very hard challenge for me. But at the same time, I did not establish those goals for them. So it was like a very simple conversation for them. So they were never 100% committed for what I was doing like I was. Like they were helping me out. Oh yeah, Maria, I'll help you out. I understand what you need. Here you go. There you go. And they will move on. So I will never have that person all the time. And that's one of the things for introverts. You rely on the person because you think this is my friend. You know, they will help me a hundred percent, but that's not the case all the time. And especially if it's not your friend, friend, you know what I mean with that. But it was very difficult to each time that I was missing a person that said, oh, you know, I cannot help you this, this semester because I have a lot of classes or I can't do this for you right now because I'm busy. I had to go look for another person and do it again. And it was like, oh, my God, I have to keep doing this. And until right now, I've been working with a lot of people, basically. A lot of friends put this company together. A lot of people help me build up the basics and processes, procedures, do this pricing charts and stuff like that. That was not only me. So that was a very uh, challenging portion of starting a business for me because I'm an introvert. But for other people, I'm pretty sure like, oh, that will be very easy. But then if that's the case, then you don't have that also that time to Think about what really are you trying to accomplish? Because that's another thing. If you want to call it a challenge and you're like, okay, that's not a challenge for me. But the other challenge will be how do you sit down with all these resources available to you? What do you do with them? Like if you cannot put it together in your own head, you cannot direct people to do it. So that's a challenge too, you know? You have to make sure that you understand what you're trying to do to tell others to do it. But if you cannot sit down and let me think through, will this actually be a thing? And that's why mentioning about the research was very important for me because I was able to talk to businesses. I was able to understand their problems. I was able to do it in doing the VITA program uh, and they will come to do their taxes and I wouldn't do much but sometimes, you know, the people who were there, they will always ask questions to us, like, why are you doing this? Or, And then I will just respond back, and why are you doing a business? And so I will get some more questions from them too. 
And that will help me understand why they started their business and why wouldn't they change. And so that helped me too in the program, not because you can't do anything, you know, you cannot share information, you can't do anything, but they will ask me questions of why, what is it, why was I an accountant? Why did I decided to go this route and things like that. So and I was like, and why did you start your business? And kind of like going back at the same questions they were asking me. So that helped me see that there was a need. And there was a challenge to be met. And then I needed to put it all together in myself first so I can actually go out and tell them this is, I think, where the the, the problem is. But this is not going to happen overnight, just so you know. Exactly. And that last point is probably the most important one. Success does not happen overnight. It's, It's a culmination of many, many trial and errors and many, many failures. So success is that that 1% after you've done everything else. And uh, what's really cool about it too, like you had mentioned, um, being an introvert and having to kind of get out of your comfort zone, I think it's going to make you more attached to your business as well because you grow alongside your business. Because as the needs and the demands kind of shift, you have to grow up or grow personally to accommodate that new level of what's needed. So it forces you to adapt to so many different environments and get out of your comfort zone on, I'd say, almost a day-to-day basis. So um I would consider that to definitely be very rewarding as well. That is so true. That is so true. But it is also up to you. How do you want to put that? Is that a really like a goal that I wanted to accomplish, basically? Because a lot of people forget that I've been forgetting myself a lot, but I do have a lot of mentors. And just so put this like in a side note here. When you want to start something like this, you de- you need to find somebody who will understand, has a little bit of experience and can guide you. Because if you don't have a mentor that will do that for you, then you are completely lost. I was able to, because of the resources like the iCourse program, I had a mentor there. And then uh, when I moved into the program for social entrepreneurship, I had another mentor. I still had my first initial mentor. So I had a lot of mentors on the journey. And that helped me realize that even though I was doing one step by one step, very small steps, I was doing progress. And if you're alone, you won't see that because they will tell me, they will tell me, you haven't seen how much work you have put in. I'm like, no, for me, I just forgot to do this paper or I forgot to do this presentation or I forgot... But they were like, but you already did all of this other thing here and you're not looking at that. So those little, if you don't have that, like, a, a, oh my God, I can't believe it. You're not going to reward yourself. You're going to think you're still not there yet <laughs> because that's how it is. Basically, you're not there yet. All the time, you're not there yet. As an entrepreneur, you will be, you're not there yet all the time. Like right now, if you ask me, I'm not there yet, but I know that my business is growing because I have certain things that maybe I can't see because I created over the time, but others can see and you can reward yourself for that. Yeah, very, very well said. I think that that reminds me of this one quote that I really like. I don't even remember who it's by, but it's just, it really stuck out to me enough to write it on my my window. So I see it every morning when I wake up and it says progress is not linear, meaning (laughs) uh, you're not going to see how you're progressing, especially when it comes to a business, because it's not a straight line of just, 
okay, I accomplished this, therefore the next goal is this, this, and that. It's more so, it's very branched out. Like you don't see that the conversations people are having about your business and your service help you out down the line. You're not seeing how um, people are starting to associate your name with a specific thing that you do. And then that's also helping your branding and your image. So like this is all progress. You just can't really see it because it's not so tangible that it's in front of you. And I think that's also something that that if you're starting a business to be aware of so that you don't start to feel dejected or something if things don't work out right away. And um, I think having patience is very, very underrated and very, very much so needed in this space. Um, I'm sure you would pretty much 90% to 100% agree with that. Yeah, that is that is that is the truth. You have to understand that like progress, it's just going to, you're going to keep progressing, even though you have a career path. Like if you are in a career setting, you will have an associate, then you'll be a senior, then you'll be a man. So you're not going to have this singular one position. Oh, you might say, you know what, I'm going to go into industry better and I'll go there because this is different. So you, you're not going to have that one thing. Exactly. Wearing many, many hats. Yep. So um, I also want to ask this question because I ask it to everybody. So what's some advice you would give to somebody? Um, I usually say college because that's generally the level of people starting off things. But at any level, if you wanted to start off in a business or starting off into a career path and you don't really know what you're doing, what advice would you give somebody to get started? Just start. That will be <laughs> my thing. Just start. See, I deal with a lot of teenagers. And uh, teenagers, 13, 14, when you still don't have a career, you still don't know what you're doing, you're still trying to decide if you are well or not. So there's like this age is a very interesting age. But a lot of them come over and say, hey, look, my dad wants me to do X. My mom wants me to do Y, but I want to do that. And I said, okay, you can do that. How about you do a goal with yourself? Make that your goal. You're going to accomplish your parents' goals, but make your goal, your own goal. That's your own goal. Create two things for you because you have to do this because you have to. Your parents are not going to let you be living in your house if you're not doing that. And you're doing that. You just have to start. You just have to start. If you don't start, you're never going to know if you're going to accomplish it. So it's the same with the career. When you're in a career in your or in college trying to decide where am I going to be at or what am I going to do, I think the best thing to do is just start. So you will know if that's the way you want to go. So like I said, if I got offers from an accounting firm, I went, okay, let's see, I'm going to go. I didn't know that that was my career. I didn't know until I sat down in those offices and said, okay, look, I see this here. Okay, I can't do this. Like, I know I can't. This is, I can't. This is something that is not for me. And by doing this, that starting position, I was able to decide this is not for me. But if I didn't start, I would never know if that was or not for me. That's exactly true. So just start just start. And if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. You move on into the next thing and that's it. You know, see, that's, I like how that the, the last note that you're always giving is also a really good point that you make. So, um, 
if you, if it doesn't work out, you can move on. I think a lot of people get hung up on if I did not succeed at this, therefore I must be a failure. When in reality, there's a plethora of reasons why you would not do well in something. Or it could be the circumstance. It could be that you just didn't give it enough effort or enough time. It could be so many things. But if you're able to pick yourself up after every time you kind of fall and start anew, then, you know, eventually you will succeed. And even, I guess I could give this example too, back again, of like with this podcast, you know, I have the aim of helping somebody with it. I'm not very sure of any point in time where this will be monetized or if this would be something that will carry me in my career. It might be something that I failed at and pivot me to something else that I start that will become successful. So you never really know. You just have to do things and then do it enough until you feel like you've exhausted that option before you move on to something else. Yeah, that's true. But uh, let me tell you something about that too. That also gives you experience. Experience is something that might help you on what the next thing you will do. And that's one thing that I did not mention earlier, but there's a lot of things that I tried in my life that it's not for me, but it had helped me to what I am today. So yes, failure is a a buildup of experience. So not necessarily, don't call it a failure necessarily. I just, you can just say I'm building up experience, even though you fail, because when you do it the negative way, then you believe it yourself. But if you say each time I'm trying something, I'm building experience, then even though you fail, it's just experience. It's not a failure. It's experience. Okay. So this is something very important to put in your mind. So if you're going to try something, if you're trying a career path, if you're trying a, a business venture, if you're trying a product that you said, you know what, this is what I want to change because I don't like it. Guess what? It's just going to give you experience. Maybe you're going to get there and then you're going to say, no, I don't want this. And that experience is making you do that next decision. So don't necessarily call it a failure, but call it an experience. It's an experience of X. And that will help you put it positively in your mind. And that will help you not want to get up every morning and say, hey, everything I've been failing at. It's not necessarily that point. You know, you you've been doing your work. It's just not that's not where you should be going to, you know. Exactly. You know, that's that whole issue of negative reinforcement versus positive reinforcement. If you don't believe in yourself, how do you expect anyone else to believe in you? And I think that's that's probably one of the strongest points because when it comes to entrepreneurship, it's different, or at least in my opinion, it's different than a regular career, a regular job, because you're working hard at both. But as an entrepreneur or as a business owner, you have more stake in both the success and in the failure. And it's it's something that is heavily dependent on how much you believe in yourself and how much you can get others to believe in either your service or your product to be able to carry that success or carry that forward. So um, I just wanna say thanks so much for your time, Maria, and for coming on and speaking with us and sharing some of your wisdom. I truly appreciate it. And uh, I wish you all the success in your business. I'm sure it'll blow up. Uh, you never know when things blow up and it'll be crazy when it does happen. That is so true. If it not has, it hasn't happened, it will happen soon. And then I will be like, oh my God, I can't believe it. But just believe in yourself. You'll get there. It's, it's, it's a path. So just make the decision and start.
Exactly. Just remember, I said it here first. So <laughs> I, I claim stakes yeah. for when you're very successful with it. Yes. Thank you. Yeah.